0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the America's Pastime Podcast, Season 1, Episode 111. Jeremy and Mike here to talk a little bit of Hall of Fame ballots. They were released a few weeks ago, but with all the free agency craziness and trade craziness and all that, we didn't get a chance to touch on it, but now, since we're in a lockout, we have some time on our hands. So, without further ado, we will get into all of these different ballots that are going to be voted on, I believe, In early january second week of january usually and uh this episode is basically just gonna be us introducing the ballots taking a look an early look at who we think might be hall of fame worthy and then we're gonna have a later episode right before the ballot the the winner i guess yeah i guess you can call them winners the the guys who make it into the hall of fame
1: you uh, like these
0: yes uh once that's released but right before that's released we will release another episode but Anyways, starting off with, I'll just list off these ballots here. So we, First, we have the 2022 early baseball era committee ballot. And from this ballot, this is one of those uh, veterans committee ballots where a small group of writers, I think, votes on one of these guys making it in. And we have 10 guys on this list, and you probably have never heard of any of them. <laughs> Bill Dallin, Lefty O'Doul. Ali Reynolds, George Scalis, Vic Harris, Dick Redding, John Donaldson, Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler, and Grant Johnson. And let me add, for Bud Fowler and Grant Johnson, they're not even listing their stats on this, on this ballot here. they everyone else, this is on baseball reference, and they're not even listing them. But um just early thoughts on this early baseball era committee ballot. Any any names that jump ahead to you, any guys that you think should make it just based on what you see off their stats? Because obviously you never saw them play, you never even probably heard of them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, the only person I did know was Bill Dallin, but uh, I, I honestly don't even, never really even heard of this, like, whole committee of, of guys getting in. Like, you never even hear people, like, getting voted on. and But Dallin's the only guy that I would even really like, give consideration here. But even he, even for, like, his standards at the time, like, don't, like, stand out. I mean, for a guy who played, like, in the 1800s and was a career 272 hitter, like, I'm surprised he even stayed in the league that long and had a career as long as he did. Like, you know, back then, it was 300 or nothing, basically.
0: Did but, Bill Dallin, uh,
1: that's, a, that's a good
0: question. So, I'm pulling up Bill Dallin right now. He played from 1891 to 1911. First, he was on Chicago. Is that the Cubs? Uh, it's Colts, actually. Sorry, he was on the Chicago yeah. Colts. They changed to the Chicago Orphans in 1898. He an interesting name. And then... He moved to the Brooklyn Superbos, which eventually became the Dodgers, uh, from 1899 to 1903. And then age 34, he moved across town to the New York Giants, went to go play at the Polo Grounds, which is pretty cool, played for them for four years. Uh, Then he went to the Boston Doves, and then he finished off his career back with Brooklyn. Uh, in wow. his final two seasons, he had a total of a total of six plate
1: appearances, three per season. Pretty good, pretty good guy there. Nah, I, I mean I don't know. I, I would I I think he had a very good career, but I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's really
0: hard to judge with these guys from so early on in baseball. We're talking 1800s. That's before the modern era of baseball. And, uh, yeah, I find, I find it really hard to judge. I think if they vote him in, if they vote Bill Down, that's fine, whatever. The rest of these guys, Damn. their stats wouldn't even be impressive if they played in the modern era in terms of the production they put up and, and uh, the quantity and all that. So, yeah, totally in agreement there. Not much more to really say about it, unless you have anything else you want to say about that early training. <laughs> no. I'm all good with that. Then we have the 2022 Golden Days-era committee ballot. Now, these guys you've probably heard of, hope you've heard of if you're a baseball fan. A lot of recognizable names, some really good players here. I'll list them off. we got 10 guys. Ken Boyer, Dick Allen, Minnie Minoso, Billy Pierce, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, Roger Maris, Mari Wills, Danny Murtaugh. Who are you taking from this
1: ballot, Mike? I'm always a big fan of Gil Hodges. I don't know. He not only really had, like, the, like, maybe the numbers that stand out, but I I just you know, I always liked him as a player, and I think that he always got, like, a, the short end of the stick in terms of uh, where he ended up. He was, like, a, a Dodgers legend. He even he even played with the Mets a little bit. Come on. You got to give him some love. Mets legend, too. Yeah, Gil uh, is a big baseball guy. Sorry, it. Dick, Dick Allen was a, a big master with the Phillies early on in his career. Um, he's a guy that I would uh, probably consider giving a vote for. And then Minnie Minosa as well. He was one of those like, big integration guys. Came, it, was, it was like Cuban. I think he was probably one of the first Cuban-born players to play in baseball. Probably and the first. He was, yeah, he was definitely maybe the first. And he was had a hell of a career as well. I'll take a look at his baseball reference page if you haven't seen it. He was just a tank overall. And he's a guy that I think should be in the Hall of Fame as well.
0: Yeah, I uh, can't really argue with that. For me, when I'm looking at this list, I think uh, Jim Cott stands out to me, Dick Allen as well, just in terms of production. I would, I would, Ken Boyer to me, just not offensively, just not there career 116 OPS plus a 10 OPS plus 282 home runs he played for 15 years so he doesn't really have the short career span excuse if you want to call it Dick Allen also played for 15 years not as many he got he was injured at times not as many at bats as Ken Boyer but a 156 career OPS plus which is really impressive so if, if Dick Allen gets it or Mini Minoso Jim Cott also just in terms of his quantity played for 25 years, and then Tony Oliva was also a beast. Really, a, a lot of these guys, I, I, can't, I can't complain if they get in.
1: Yeah, they're all, like, baseball legends, and you know, right? Like, I, I I think that even, like, beyond like, a standard, you know, baseball fan, that, like, those names are recognizable. And that's kind of just shows, like, their legacy. Like, I, I think that, like, Gil Hodges, you know, so Allen, like, if you're someone who just, you know, knows baseball history in, like, a very, like – 100 level course like you know those guys
0: yeah so we'll see what happens with that now with these committees i don't think it's assured that one of the guys gets voted in
1: yeah it's, it's not
0: it's a possibility so we'll see what happens hopefully a couple of these hopefully one of these guys gets in i think only one could possibly get in yeah i think it's one and then we got the real the real meat of the episode the 2022 BBWAA ballot So with these guys, they need 75% of all ballots to gain induction.
1: Mm -hmm. You want to start with the the newcomers? Because that's like the – we got a lot of new guys this year, per usual.
0: Yeah, so the newcomers we have on the ballot, we have Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, Mark Teixeira, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papelbon, A.J. Prezinski, and Ryan Howard. And those guys, yeah, we'll, we'll start with those guys. We'll start with those guys, the guys who aren't first year on the ballot. Not to, not to overwhelm the listener here. So with those, how many is that? I'm trying to do math here one second. 13 guys that are joining the ballot. There you who, go. Do you, who do you see as possibly getting in on their first ballot?
1: Uh, on the first ballot, no one. Just because wow. the only the only two guys I would give a vote to, really, is Alex Rodriguez and Ortiz. I guess maybe Ortiz might get first vote, um, but it's just because of like the stuff, like the um, the baggage that comes with a Rod, and then Ortiz to some degree. Uh, when you go after that, uh, Teixeira, he was probably a Hall of Famer until two thousand eleven, and then his career really just tapered off and. He's in, like, that good but not great category where he's, like, in the, the good player Hall of Fame, not, like, the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jimmy Rollins has the, the MVP in 07 that he probably shouldn't have even had won. Uh, he had a really good career, compiled, like, very good counting numbers, but, again, just kind of falls short of where I would put him call Crawford. Uh, when I think of that, like, early Tampa Bay Rays team, he's, like, the first, like, real, like, Tampa Bay Ray that I remember, and he was a Monster with them as well. But, again... Didn't have the longevity. Jake Peavy one like I think he yeah, had Cy Young, uh, led the e- uh, league in ERA twice. Won the Triple Crown with the Padres. Again, had a really good start of his career. I think he won two World Series as well, but just didn't have the longevity. Marnell, MVP winner. Again, longevity wasn't there. Prince Fielder on that same Hall of Fame track like to share it, but you know injuries got to him and his production fell off. Joe Nathan, he's another. He's a reliever that I would maybe like give like a, a vote so that like, he would stay on the ballot, say above the 5%, so Virgo's can have a second chance to like, look at him because he's an interesting case in terms of relief pitchers, but again, not 1st ballot Hall of Famer. And then just to wrap up, Linscombe, Papelbaum, Krasinski, and Howard, all of them are very good players. The sample size is just too short, or just their collective numbers just weren't good enough to keep them on the ballot, I think. I think they're going to be one-and-dones.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement here. I don't think any of these guys are getting first ballot. Now, the guys that have a possibility of getting in down the road are a rod ortiz and that that's pretty much it i don't think any of these other guys yeah. are ever going to get even sniff the hall of fame and half of these guys are probably going to drop off the ballot in their first season the bottom guys that you talked about as we as we went down the list um a rod interesting case i think as he he something similar to what we've seen with bonds and clemens is that as we get further down the road with him as he gets more separated from the people that actually watched him and the, the new voters, more new voters get filtered in into who gets to vote uh, for these ballots that there's a possibility that he could get voted in. But A-Rod likes to make things worse for himself in terms of his public image. (laughs) And uh, he does stay in the public eye. So it's hard to forget what he's done.
1: Yeah. But he's also has reprimanded his entire image recently. Like he the way he was viewed in twenty fourteen is totally different from what it's been viewed the past few years. Like overall, I know maybe you don't like him still, but I think that like his like where he is in baseball right now and how he's respected throughout the game, like has been in a much more positive light than it was, especially as a player. You can't argue that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that. It's just that
1: I know you I still have a lot of people aren't
0: big fans of him and yeah. I, I just don't know if similar to what we're seeing with bonds and clemens also though that they still might not get in we'll get to that in a second because they're in their final years on the ballot but they still yeah. might not get in so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting case a rod it's going to be a battle for years to come you can say with ortiz i think it's just going to take a few years and he'll get in just because of what he did for the city of boston what he represented, the lack of concrete evidence that he did steroids, how good of a designated hitter he was, and just like um, – why am I forgetting his name from Seattle?
1: Edgar Martinez.
0: Yes, just like Edgar Martinez. he forgetting will Edgar. He will get into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it might just take a couple of years, but he'll be there. And then you said Teixeira, yeah, just not good enough in his last few seasons to, to get in there and beyond that. Those guys are not getting in.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Still can't believe Edgar Martinez. Come on, man. Um, and now going to the people who were on the ballot, uh, both in their second, well, all three are in their second year. You have Tim Hudson, who just stayed off 5.2%, Tory Hunter at 95 Mark Burley at 11%. And then in their third year, Bobby Abreu, who was on 8.7 last year. In their fourth year, you have Todd Helton and Andy Pettit. Helton was at 44.9%. Pettit at 13.7. In your fifth year, you have Andrew Jones, Armour Biscale, and Scott Rowland. Rowland at 52.9. Armour at 49.1. And Andrew Jones at 33.9%. In the sixth year, by himself, is Manny Ramirez at 28.2. In the seventh year, you have just Billy Wagner at 46.4%. In the eighth year, Gary Sheffield at 40.6. In the ninth year, Jeff Kent at 32.4. And in their final years, you have Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Curt Schilling. Uh, Sosa is at 17%. Clemens at 61.6%. Barry Bonds at 61.8%. And Curt Schilling at 71.7%. So I guess, uh, Jeremy, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with uh, all the steroid guys? The 10th year guys.
0: Let's start with them because they Uh, are on the edge right now. Final years in the ballots, like I mentioned before, for Kurt Schilling, he's not a steroid guy, but finally you're in the ballot. For Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa. So right off the bat, Sammy Sosa is not getting in. He's only at 17% last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all I'm thinking about is how he looks now. <laughs> <unfortunate>. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so... The way I approach this ballot in general, and uh, unless this came out for a second, I'm kind of like branching over the place. I, I really segmented them into like a slightly different categories. You have, um, I have Bonds and Clemens together because they were guys who, yes, they did steroids, were in the Mitchell report, but they did it in, a, in during an era of the steroid era where like everyone was doing it and their numbers are just ridiculous. So I have them, you know, circled in that area. Then I also have Arod and Manny Ramirez together because they were people who were uh, like convicted of steroids after 2004. And then I had Sosa and Ortiz together where they were in, like, somewhat of like, a steroid allegations but were never truly actually convicted. Their names were, like, listed. But, like, they were never, like, they're, they weren't supposed to be. And I, they never were actually suspected of it. So that's why I kind of had him like in branched off in three different uh, categories there.
0: Yeah. I like the way you broke it up. I would say that Ortiz has a better shot than Sosa does. Cause Ortiz had a really good image. It, it yeah. was really hard to hate big poppy. And with what he did later in his career, where he most likely can't say for sure, but most likely wasn't on star Wars and how good he was in his final few seasons and the way that he hung it up, uh, I, I'm going to find it really hard to not get him in at some point over the course of his time on the ballot.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I just want to make that point clear with the steroid users. Just because we want to talk about bonds and Clemens right now. Um, but what'd you say about Schilling? You, you give Schilling, uh, you, you gave him a vote, right? Absolutely.
0: Chris Schilling yeah. needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He was so good. And political opinions and such aside, did he commit a crime? No. No. Do I agree with his opinions? No, but that's not, that's, I don't care. I don't care. You care about what he did on the baseball field and there are no steroid allegations connected to him for the most part. Yeah. I don't think. And he Another was reason. one of the best pitchers of his era, 20 years of, of dominance of really, really good pitching. I, I find it hard to leave him out, get over yourselves. If you have differing political opinions, yes, he's a moron with the, the far right QAnon garbage, but get him the hall of fame.
1: Yeah, and he's one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. Like, have you seen his numbers in the postseason, Jeremy? Uh yes. Yep. Yeah, eleven and two, a two-two-three ERA over one hundred and thirty-three innings, three rings. This is an absolute beast, and he did it when it mattered too. He had a um, two-zero-six career ERA in the World Series, in four different World Series. He just did every did everything at every level, and just. It's a monster, so he needs to be in there, and that's the one thing I hate about you know, the, the whole character clause that people use is that it only works against you. You don't see them ever saying, Oh, this guy had you know, it was a standout character and he was like amazing through for the game of baseball. Like, that's never a reason people use to, the, to get a guy in the Hall of Fame, you know. So, yeah. I, I think that the character clause is very unfair and kind of bullshitty uh, by the voters, but yeah, Kurt Schilling is a guy that I would definitely give a vote. Uh Barry Bonds and Clemens, I'm just gonna say I put them together. They're both Paul fanners. I'm just gonna say that as clear as that. Uh yes, I, I'm aware of the steroids. It doesn't really bother me uh all that much, just because again, of the era they played in. And when I'm approaching them, I almost kind of give them like a steroid tax where like if you take steroids, like okay, fine. If you're on the ballot, like you did have a good hell of a career. But if in order for me to put you in the hall of fame with like if you're connected to that and you have to have like some of the most ridiculous stats i've ever seen and both roger clemens and barry bonds both have stats to make them like inner circle hall of famers in my opinion they're not guys who are going to scratch on the ballot and have like you know pedestrian like hall of fame numbers like when you compare people and like, you compare them to like some of the all-time greats like they're just up in that same tier so for me i, I put them in there because of that
0: I just want to go – I know we've done this before, but I just want to go over Barry Bonds from 2000 to 2004. Uh, This baseball reference will will work for me. Okay, so from 2000 to 2004. It's it's buffering. Okay, Barry Bonds in 716 games, 3,050 played appearances. He hit 258 home runs over the course of five seasons, 339, 535, 781 for a 13 16 OPS, 241 OPS plus. He drew 306 intentional walks, 872 walks over the course of 716 games. Just mind blowing numbers. So maybe it was a question before that if Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer, and he probably was before that. But with that stretch that he put up in the early 2000s, you got you to gotta put him in the Hall of Fame. Even in his final season, age 42, Barry Bonds, 276, 480, 565 for a 1045 OPS, a 169 OPS plus. So he was, he was still crazy. Even when he hung up the cleats, and that was probably beyond his control. That was because of the steroid circumstances and, and other stuff going on. But Barry Bonds yeah we we talk about character i don't think that besides the steroid allegations there are any character issues he was a hitting coach for the marlins a few years ago he's been in the game that that's him personally is there there are no issues there as far as i know so barry bonds he has to be in the hall of fame
1: yeah no i agree and also i mean just look at his career with pittsburgh as well like Uh, He had like two career arcs and he already won two MVPs before he was in the Pittsburgh, I mean, in San Francisco. He in second in the year he didn't win his final year. And then he won his first year in San Francisco on top of the, you know, four he won in a row in the 2000s during his his steroid rampage he went on. But he's just an unbelievable baseball player. And I know I can't be like, oh, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, no matter what, like steroids or not. But I think with him, the case is to be made and, He's gonna be in the Hall of Fame, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens is the same story. He, uh, I don't know when he took steroids. Clearly, I mean, it could have been for like, like once he got older. But again, he was just like a monster with Boston when he debuted, and then his insane career just continued as it went on and on. Just the strikeout numbers, just the dominance, the wins, like everything. You just it's a complete package when it comes to an all-time pitcher.
0: 2005, his third to last season. He pitched two more years after that. But 2005, a 1.87 ERA over 32 starts, 211 innings. This is age 42 for a 226 ERA plus, which led the league, a 2.87 FIP, which led the league, 6.4 hits per nine, a 1.008 whip, 7.9 Ks per nine, which for that era was was fine, 2.6 walks, 0.5. Home runs per nine, and he placed third in the Cy Young voting that year. Which I don't know how that happened, but he did. <laughs> he didn't have enough wins. Is that what it was? Because he was yeah, 13-8. He oh, oh, sorry, his bad that he played on a team that sucked.
1: Yeah, no, Clemens a Hall of Famer, one hundred percent. Um, and then lastly, Sammy Sosa. Um, he did have a really good career. Don't get me wrong. Like, 600 home runs. He's, like, one of, like, what, like, six players or seven players to be in that category. But with him, you know, he never was truly, sus- uh, like, tested positive for steroids. Uh, I think with him, just the character clause, again, it really hurts him. He just – his um, reputation in baseball is just, was not a good one. Yeah, his appearance makes him, like, a disaster. I know you're laughing at him. Um, and then, yeah, he had, like, the cork bat thing, too. I, I think that that's going to turn people against him. To some degree, and I, I his his six um you know his sixty home run seasons he still has the most sixty home run seasons in baseball you know had a crazy peak but I, it's just everything else around him I just think that that's just gonna keep him out. Um, I, I personally just don't give him my vote too. I, I think that like everything together just makes him not a Hall of Famer.
0: Right, and again, seventeen percent on his second to last year of the ballot there's just no chance he's going to get the percentage increase that he needs on this ballot in particular with those 10 other 10th year guys that are going to be competing against him. It's just, it's just not going to happen, but he did have a good career steroids aside uh, and personal issues aside. So uh, best of best of luck to Sammy Sosa going forward. And then we have the more interesting guys, the guys in the five, six, seven, eight, nine range, and even Four, I guess we can, a couple of those guys. But from there, we'll, we'll work our way down. So in his ninth year on the ballot is Jeff Kent, who got only 32.4% last year. Is there any chance Jeff Kent is in for you?
1: Yeah, no, there's a chance he gets in. No, not this year. I think that uh, we we're going to see him get an increase uh, this year, hopefully getting into at least a 50 percentile. And then I think he's a guy who's going to get in his 10th year. Um, I know when I made my original list, I didn't vote for him. He was, like, a close snub and could have made it over, like, someone um, that I did choose. But overall, when it comes to a second baseman and the production he has at that position, I think that he has to be in the Hall of Fame.
0: I'm in agreement with you there. Because of the position that he played, because of how good he was, he won an MVP as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he won the MVP award in 2000. Uh, he was never a big power guy. So in, in terms of – I mean, he had good power, but he was never one of those – he was never competing with the likes of Bonds and Sosa and McGuire in terms of his, his power output. So maybe that's why people don't look so highly upon him. Because yeah, of, but – But 290, 356, 500 for an 855 OPS for his career, 123 OPS plus – second baseman, 560 doubles. So while he didn't have the, the, the 30 home run power in most seasons, he was putting up doubles, and he was a gamer. He played past, you know, for most seasons in his career. He was, he was out there for 120 games plus a couple of years. He had some DL stints and such. But there's no doubt that Jeff Kent is one of the best second baseman ever, and he deserves to get in this year. He'll probably get in next year, as you said. Because he will be the only 10th yeah. ballot guy next year.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of cluster this year. I, I thought it really hurts some guys as well. But, yeah, uh, just to, the, the point that what you said, though, Jeremy, is you, you mentioned the home runs. For uh, the player that has played a majority of his career second base, like Jeff Kent has, he's the all-time second baseman home run leader.
0: Robbie can't like catch him, though.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter, though. At the, uh, the time of this recording, Jeff Kent is – Well, I mean, Cano is definitely in range. I think Cano is north of 300, so, I mean.
0: I mean, there's no testing going on right now, so he should probably take steroids over the offseason, and (laughs) then next year he should come back and hit 30 home runs.
1: Yeah, but. That would be my move. All right, that's great. It's about the Hall of Fame, not Robinson Cano. (laughs) Um, Jeff Kent is the best power-hitting second baseman in history, and he is a guy that I will consider for a Hall of Fame spot yep I say consider now because we're gonna list off like maybe like fourteen guys that we consider and then we're gonna condense it down to like an actual ten person list
0: fourteen I'm not putting fourteen guys on my list I don't know where, I don't know well, who the hell you're putting on your list <laughs> I guess we'll see i'm
1: so, sam- i'm sam considering fourteen guys
0: all right all right 8th year on Eighth year in the ballot, had- Gary Sheffield that is a negative ghost rider for me
1: yep no I'm not putting him in uh I I did he have the steroid allegations? He was yeah. Right? He, he was wrote it up. Yeah, so she. The thing is, him is that like, even if he was in the same tier as like Clemens and Bonds with like, the steroid allegations with, with the Mitchell report, he didn't have the same career numbers that those two guys had, and um I gave both of them like that steroid tax where like they had to like be above and beyond. And Gary Sheffield is who's that is a guy who has Hall of Fame numbers but not Hall of Fame steroid numbers. Mets legend
0: Gary Sheffield? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so Sheffield not in for either of us. Billy Wagner is the only seventh-year guy, and for me, Billy Wagner is a Hall of Famer.
1: Billy Wagner is a Hall of Famer for me as well. He is, in my opinion, the best left-handed reliever of all time.
0: Can't argue with that. He's he was absolutely dominant. I'm gonna pull up his stats right now, actually. Yeah. Hold on one second on my slow five year old Mac. Okay, here we go. So Billy Wagner for his career, 2.31 ERA. He threw 903 innings. So the inning the, the the sample size is not as great as you would like. He had Yeah,
1: but it's the quanti- it's the quality of that sample yeah. size.
0: I mean the quantity itself for a reliever was actually pretty solid to play from nineteen ninety-five to two thousand ten and then Crazy, crazy! His, his final couple of seasons from, I mean, I'm just looking back at it. At every single year, he was just absolutely dominant. Except for one season in 2000, he had a 6.18 ERA and a 5.99 FIP with Houston. But other than that, every single year, his ERA was in the twos or even in the ones. And what I was going for there in his final couple of years, and he probably could have pitched longer, uh, with – in 2009, with the Mets and Boston, I believe he was traded to Boston. He, had a, he only pitched 15 two-thirds innings, the injury stuff, which is probably why he retired. But he had a 1.72 ERA. And then his final season, 2010, with Atlanta, with a dominant bullpen, it was Wagner, Venters, O'Flaherty, and Kimbrell. All those guys were put together for an Atlanta team that wasn't really that good, but their bullpen was absolutely dominant. I think Freddie Freeman was on that team, and Jason Hayward. Yeah. I, I want to say they came up. That year, and he put up a one point four three ERA over seventy one games. He had a thirty seven save, sixty nine and a third innings, fifth fifth, two seventy five ERA plus. So really dominant season. Like imagine like Aaron Loop this season. That's pretty much what Billy Wagner was that year, but with one hundred and four strikeouts. And then he called it quits at age yeah. thirty
1: eight. You want know, keep his page open for a second so you can double check me. On this, the numbers, the exact numbers, but his ERA plus for his career, 195, correct? 187. 187, okay. Um, so, um, with for pitchers with 900 or more innings, he makes that threshold just making it. He ranks second all time in the ERA plus behind Marion and Rivera.
0: And Moe's in the Hall of Fame, so why can't Billy be?
1: Yes. Exactly. So I mean, he's this. That just shows how dominant was, and he was the second one. Trevor Hoffman, another relief pitcher Hall of Famer. His career ERA plus is one forty one.
0: Yeah, I don't know well, if Trevor
1: I, Hoffman should have been in the Hall of Fame. That's no, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. But this is the <laughs> point. So <clears throat> uh, Wagner had forty. I mean, thirteen seasons with forty or forty innings pitch or more. And all and his lowest was one forty one ERA plus. Wow.
0: So, yeah, I mean, absolute he dominance.
1: Just, yeah, it just that's what I'm saying. He was at for thirteen seasons. He was at worst forty one percent better than league average. Like he is just a machine. It was an absolute, and he was also was like a crazy strikeout artist. During a time when, like, strikeouts were, like, you know, the K per nine and, like, the blazing fast, 100 mile fastball wasn't, like, a huge part of the game. Like, he, was he, was a, a guy... he was a
0: modern reliever before that was the thing in terms of how yeah. you want your reliever to look and the strikeouts they put up.
1: Yeah, basically. That's why he had that much success even in 2010 when the league was just starting to get to that, you know, crazy bullpen stuff. Like, he was ahead of his game by, like, a whole generation of baseball.
0: Mm-hmm. In agreement there. Sixth year on the ballot for Manny Ramirez, and you said you grouped Manny and A-Rod together. So is Manny getting in for you?
1: No, Manny doesn't get my vote. The reason why I give A-Rod my vote and I give Manny not my vote is I think that post-Mitchell Report and that whole era when, you know, it was made very clear you cannot take steroids – a was suspended once for that one year. Yes, I think uh, – <clears throat> what's his name? Manny over here tested positive twice. So I think the punishment, like, he just kept – he did it again. He did a repeat offender in that area. And then secondly, it just comes down to the, the, the overall production. If you look at Manny Ramirez's, like, career – even, like, career WAR and his offensive numbers, and you stack him next to a a outshines him in like every, every like way. He has like 50 more career war. He has like 140 more home runs. He played like actually good defense Arod for a majority of his career. Manny Ramirez was one of like the worst defensive players of all time. So, like, I like on the downfield in Boston. He was good. This when it comes down to it. Arod just stands out way more than Manny Ramirez does. And that's why I gave Arod the vote and I don't give Manny the vote.
0: Yeah, but Manny is still, still playing.
1: <laughs> not major leagues.
0: I think he was, last I checked, he was playing in Australia. I know that. I know he played yeah. in Taiwan the past, like, for a couple of years, and then he was playing in China. He was, he's been all over the place. Good for Manny. He's doing what he loves. Why not? Yeah, exactly.
1: Just, just not a Hall of Famer for me.
0: But the, the what was interesting about Manny is that in terms of the type of contract he got, he got one of those... He, he was a pioneer for that. Him, him and a I guess you can put him side by side in terms of big money, multi-year contracts. Him, yeah, he, he was, I believe he with Boston. The contract was traded to the Dodgers, but
1: he signed, oh my God, this is so slow. Yeah, you didn't get into that top. But I, I will add, too, that Manny Ramirez has the greatest, and I think, well, not the greatest, but like I, I, in my lifetime, the greatest right-handed swing. I just love, I just love his swing. Like usually, like you look at lefties that have like those, that sweet lefty swing. He was one of those guys that was like smooth as butter from the right side.
0: He was very fun to watch. There's no doubt about that. He was an entertaining guy.
1: Yeah, that one year he had in that year he had in Cleveland too was ridiculous. I know he had a lot of crazy seasons too with Boston, but it was, he was had freaking 165 RBIs that year in Cleveland. Jesus. Hit 333, 442 to 663 slugging. Led the league in OPS as well, OPS plus, 44 bombs, 165 RBIs. Like, yeah. How many did he have at the All Star break? I don't know. I have to I have to click on his. Uh, let's see. It was his 1999 season. He must have had 100 at the All Star break. He must have had something like that. Where is the split? Split splits. I pass it already. I think I pass this. I don't know where it splits are. There they are. Okay, fine. 1999. Home away. First, second half. He had 96 RBIs in the first half. He had a 333 three, three batting average in the first half and a 333 three, three batting average in the second half. He basically so did he hit- had the, he basically did the exact same season on both sides, just had slightly less power and our RBI totals but because he, he played less games too, 12 less games. Crazy stuff,
0: crazy stuff. I remember Josh Hamilton had a season similar to that in terms of his RBI totals, but he fell off to only get 130 or 140. But we haven't seen yeah. those kind of RBI totals in quite a while. No,
1: seeing anything above one hundred and thirty RBIs in this game in this uh, modern day baseball is like a crazy amount. You yeah. know, The last the last season I really remember someone having one hundred and fifty RBIs was like you know two thousand five, two 27. Like that's kind of when it died. I don't think maybe did, did Jose Bautista have one like a one hundred and forty RBI season one year? Like he was one hundred and thirty two in his best. So like, I, I honestly, on the last season I remember, it honestly, might have been Aaron. A-Rod in 07 had 156, 152, something
0: like that. He had, a, he had a phenomenal year that year. Of course, aided by his whole PD thing. Was he on HGH at that point? I
1: have no Testosterone. idea. Testosterone? Something like that. No, no clue. Right, do you get Manny, Manny a vote?
0: Uh, I do not.
1: Yeah, all right, yeah. But – he will get consideration because uh, Travis sent some of his guys, and he gave he, he votes Manny in. So yeah, he Travis couldn't still. join
0: us for this pod, but he did send us some of his choices, and of course, we will put out our, our official choices right before the actual Hall of Fame inductees are announced in early January. Right now, this is just a preliminary thing, but Travis is a big fan of Manny, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's a Manny guy. Manny being Manny, Travis being Travis. All right. <laughs> who next? Who next?
0: Next, we got the fifth-year guys. We got Scott Rowland, Omar Viscal, and Andrew Jones.
1: All right. So us up, JB? Who who you putting in?
0: Rowland, yes. Viscal, fuck no. And Andrew Jones, yes.
1: I am right with you there. Um, Scott Rowland is one of the best third basemen of all time. And I don't think he, I think he only had one or two, like, really like of like those, like, legendary, like, type seasons. But he was just as solid as it gets from start to finish. And he really accumulated really good numbers. Uh, Vizquel, like, I did give him some love last year before those whole allegations come out. I know you look at his offensive numbers and you're like, you're like, hell no. But for a guy who, again, played, it's like a, a very good defensive shortstop and wasn't, like, a complete burden at the plate. And that's why I kind of, like, liked him as a player and a potential Hall of Famer, but now he has no chance. The character clause, And know, again, I hate it, but when you do awful things like he does, you just, there's just no place for you in the Hall of Fame. Then and Andrew Jones, I don't know why people don't give him as much love as he does. He is one of the best center fielders of all time when it comes down to it. His career didn't, like, really last as long as it should have in terms of, like, that elite production. But there are only four players in Major League history that have 400 career home runs and have 10 goal gloves. And that is um, – fuck, I'm blanking on it. But he's the fourth one. I know – um, I think it's Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr., and Mike Schmidt. I think those are the three. And he's the fourth.
0: From uh, – first of all, just from what I, – I didn't really see him play when he was at his peak – defensively but from what many people say he was the best defensive center fielder they ever saw a lot of people who know a lot about baseball they they are in a a common agreement with that with that idea and from 1998 to 2000 and yeah I'll I'll give him 2007 because that was his last gold glove he was the best center fielder in baseball over that 10-year stretch and offensively he fluctuated. He, he was not, you know, consistently uh, the best offensive player in the league, but he was very solid career 111 OPS plus, but his defense and the, the legendary status of it, I think needs proper credit. And that's why I'm, if you, if you look at his seven year peak and, and stuff like that, I think he's there for outfielders yeah, yeah. for Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, he makes a cut, and it's just a position he played too, like at center field. Like when I just look at other center fielders, especially around that time, like he's he stands up and out right there. He's just he's just so good. He's just a good player. Oh, he's one of the guys I wish I got to watch play center field. Like I, I, he's one of the guys I go on YouTube and be like Andrew Jones defensive highlights, and I'll just watch him play and just dive all over the place, catch literally everything.
0: Seven year peak average Hall of Fame center fielder is forty four point eight. He is at forty six point four center field. He ranks eleventh all time in WAR, actually, out of nineteen, according to this. At sixty two point seven, the average is seventy one point nine. I think that's really inflated by a couple of guys at the top, what? Well, yeah, like Mickey Mantle and and other guys like that.
1: Willie Mays. Willie
0: Mays. Yeah. So he's he's there. He's he's definitely, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame center fielder and. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets in. Right now, he's sitting last year at 33.9%. He'll get another bump this year. He's still got five years to go. He'll get there eventually. I think he'll get there. There's some loaded yeah. ballots coming in the next couple of years. This ballot in particular is not loaded by any means. So he's got a chance to get a real nice little bump here going forward. I think
1: his ballots very loaded because you have so much congestion at the top. Uh, there are so many I mean, guys on this list. I mean, in
0: terms of the guys that came in on the ballot, none of them are first ballot Hall of Famers. Meanwhile, you have those coming in, in the coming years. That's really what I mean by that.
1: Okay, yeah, I've got, I, so I just like, want to make that. I just want to make that Clarify that because, like, I think this ballot's very stuffed up. It's very congested with a bunch of talent.
0: I mean, the only so for me, the only guys who are possibly getting in off of this ballot this year are going to be those tenth year guys okay i find it hard to believe that i mean maybe scott Rowland. i'll, I'll say scott Rowland, and then any of those 10th year guys Schilling, bonds clemens def i think i think Schilling gets in and then bonds and clemens have have a nice shot and then scott Rowland. that's why what realistically that's what i think is going to happen then we'll see some nice jumps for wagner and jones and helton will get a little bump and we'll get to helton in a second but that's yeah yeah and then we're talking about Roland. I think he's definitely a Hall of Fame third baseman. There's no doubt about it. Put him in yesterday. Put him in. And Omar Vizquel, no way.
1: Yeah. I think uh, Scott Roland ranks comfortably in, in within the top 10 third basemen of all time. Uh, it looked like his career war, at least. So if you give my slow computer a
0: second, for his career, he had 70.1 career war. And his ranks
1: like eighth or ninth.
0: He ranks 10th. For third baseman, it says.
1: Okay. Okay. And yeah, I, knew, average,
0: I Yeah, the average third baseman in the Hall of Fame, 68.6. So he's 70.1. He's above that. His seven-year peak, 43.6. The average in the Hall of Fame out of 15 is 43.1. So he's right there. He needs to be in.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: So now we have fourth-year guys, and there are – Two of them, Andy Pettit and Todd Helton.
1: Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer, and you – Andy Pettit is not.
0: I'm in agreement there. Yeah, Todd Helton, he has that course tax on him, but he was, he was just such a good player. And, I, and the thing, too, with Todd Helton, I actually saw him play for a while, and uh, I'm aware of kind of how good he was just based on what I saw and that not the case for some of these guys who were later on the ballot but 133 career ops plus 61.8 war played his entire career on the rockies which is really admirable and he wasn't great his last really five seasons he really fell off a cliff he was injured and such but his his peak during his nine during his 2000 season 2001 2002 2003, 2004, and 2005. I call that his peak, that that six to seven year peak right there. He had OPS pluses of 163, 160, 148, 165, 165, 144, and that's accounting for park factors. That's accounting for the fact that he's playing at cores He was a fucking doubles machine, and he hit his fair share of home runs. Wasn't a big home run guy though. He loved that the the dimensions of course field. He loved to take advantage of those. And for first baseman, he ranks. 15th out of 21 first baseman in the hall of fame. So he's right there in the middle. 61.8 career war. 46.4 46.6 seven year peak for the first baseman in the hall of fame. It's 42.7. So he's well above that. I think Todd Helton needs to be in there.
1: Yeah. I, I love how you call it, like not like a, like a big power threat for a guy who hit 369 home runs and had like multiple 40 home run seasons.
0: For his era <laughs> that's lovely. for his era and where he played, I I that's why.
1: Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah, he's I, also I, I think he's baseman. Hey, he was he's a very good player. And I mean with Laurie Walker getting in too in his tenth year, we saw last year, uh, I think the core's effect in that is kind of taking less into consideration and he had equally as a good career as Laurie Walker. So that's why Todd Helton needs to get in.
0: Yep, agreed, agreed. And then we go to our third year guys. It looks like there is only one, and that is your man Bobby A. and Bobby Abreu. What's your take, Mike?
1: Uh, to me, I put him in the Hall of Fame. Not, he's not gonna get this year. He's another guy who has not have to be on the ballot for a long time. Maybe like his eighth year or something. But for a guy, he is in like a similar like threshold as Scott Rowland, in my opinion. It was like very similar careers in terms of production. Wasn't the same defender as Scott Rowland, which is kind of what hurts him a little bit, but as an offensive threat, especially, there is not a lot of people that played during that era that was good as him. Um, since integration, only two players have a higher on-base percentage and have more stolen bases than him. He finished with 395 op- uh, on-base and 400 stolen bases. And Ricky, it's only Ricky Henderson and Barry Bonds who have done more in both those stats.
0: My fondest memories of Bobby Ray are his 2014 season on the Mets where he was overweight and he was not stealing many bases. He had one stolen base that season, but yeah, his, yeah. his, his threat, his, the, the, the him being a threat on the bases combined with his on base elite, elite on base skills really put him up there. 128 career OPS plus home runs hit 288. So it wasn't the biggest, home run threat, but he played 18 years and really consistently was a really good player, and for the era that he played in, he's not going to be appreciated because of all those other guys that were there, but in the modern day, Bobby Abreu would be one of the best players in the game. He's, I don't know, what would you say his comp is to a a current player?
1: Current player? that's tough just because of the, his walks and his on base really puts him like a really different tier Um, I mean I'm not afraid to call him like a, a discount Juan Soto with his approach I like it like obviously I think Soto's a better hitter but I mean this guy had like multiple seasons of 40 doubles a lot of seasons within the 20s and 30 home runs uh, he's faster than Soto I don't even know I, it's kind of hard to make a comparison honestly I don't even like my soda comparison anymore. He's a player his,
0: himself. He's his own kind of thing, Bobby Abreu. Like I'm looking
1: at it. I'm trying to find like an outfielder who hit like decent power and stole, but like no one really put up that production for just as long as he has in this recent like day. I'm blanking on. Like I know, like Lorenzo Cain had like a one season that kind of compared to that. You know that that stole bases too. Like it's just it's just hard. Like this stolen bases, especially kind of, just makes him in like his own tier, and that's what makes him like a very unique case and a very good player.
0: Yeah, his his again, how good he was stealing bases. You know, they say you should. I think I I think
1: I got I think I got it. Prime Andrew McCutcheon.
0: I like it. I can see that. But again, McCutcheon, he did it for five years, and then he fell off the map. Bobby Abreu continued it for well into his thirties and into an era where stolen bases weren't as much of part of the game. In his age 37 season, where he, his foot speed was well below average, with the Los Angeles Angels in 2011, he stole 21 bases and got caught five times. So he was just such a smart player. That's what made Bobby Abreu so good.
1: Yep. So you give him the Hall of Fame vote, too? Yes, I am. There you go. I give him consider- I give him some love.
0: And then we got some second year guys. So those guys are so a lot of guys got cold last year. That got, you know, left the ballot after the first year, even after their a couple years. It was a it was a big it was a big clearing last year on the ballot because no one got in from on last year's ballot. All the guys that were inducted were from the previous year's ballot, which was interesting. But Mark Burley, second year, Tory Hunter, and Tim Hudson, And you like any of these guys as Hall of Famers?
1: Um, I, I think they all ultimately kind of just fall short of Hall of Famers. They kind of, in that same, like, Mark Deschera, like, uh, like good but not great careers. Um, Mark Burley, I think, has the strongest case to get in just because of, like, how, like, good he was for a long period of time. Uh, Tori Hunter, like, I love Torrey Hunter. But I, I think that when you look at him and you look at like a guy like Andrew Jones for example he kind of just falls short of like a lot of categories just his offensive production just wasn't as strong for a career he had some good good years he was an insanely good defense um, defensive center fielder had nine gold gloves and overall he's another guy that we have to see play and had a strong career up and down but just doesn't do enough just it's strong but not strong enough. And the last guy was, I'm blanking. What was his name? Who was it? The last guy, Burley Hunter and Tim Hudson. He was a, a really good uh, pitcher as well. Just again, just kind of fall short. I think he has again a case to be made, just by being like a very consistent guy. But overall, I'm not sure if he's gonna get enough love to get in.
0: Tim Hudson was a really good pitcher. A guy that, as we get lower and lower on this ballot, Mark Burley, we saw him pitch for quite a while. Tim Hudson, we saw him pitch for quite a while, especially because he was on the Braves. I saw him dominate the Mets, those shitty Wilpon Mets teams season after season. He was the quintessential number two starter. But unfortunately, to be a Hall of Fame starting pitcher, you need to be an ace. You need to be a dominant ace. And that's just not what Tim Hudson was. But he did have a great career, and credit to him for that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And sometimes players like him do get love. But just if you look at him and just, you know, compare him to like a modern-day player, I think that he would get a lot more love than he is because, you know, he's part of that, like, old era of baseball, even like the 90s where he just chucked up innings and, like, very efficient innings. And I think that he would be much more appreciated now than what he was that he played. I think that's kind of what hurts him the most. Same
0: thing with Mark Burley. The 200-inning streak that he had just – Absolutely bonkers from 2001 until 2014. So that is how many years? Like, not good math. 14 years. Mark Burley, 14 years straight, 200 innings pitched. I mean, that's just crazy. And then in his final season in 2015 with Toronto, he threw 198 and two thirds innings.
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) he's just. Guys like that, I just love, man. Just complete grinders. And all three of them really uh, have, like, a special place in my heart, only it's because of maybe I'm biased. Cause, I mean, I like they. I grew up watching these guys, and that's kind of where a lot of these first-year players, too, come in, come in where I'm almost like, oh, my God, like, Carl Crawford's on the ballot now. You know, it's been, like, it's just crazy to see, like, so, I'll tell them these names. But all of them are very, like, good players and are worth consideration, and that's why they survived to be on the ballot for a second year. And I think that you'll see him again next year.
0: Did you know that Mark Burley played a season on the Marlins? Yeah, he did. I don't know if you remember this, but the, the Marlins had that big
1: the fire sale. Season. I mean, the they, they big
0: offseason 2011 to 2012 when they moved into the new ballpark. They signed Reyes. They signed Marley, uh, Burley. They signed and he Josh fell. Johnson. Uh, he fell. And, no, what's that?
1: No, they didn't sign Josh Johnson. He was on the team already. Was, well, they retired him.
0: They re-upped him. He was was a free agent. They re-upped him. And then, yeah, the next offseason they had a fire sale and got rid of most of those guys. It was just a a fucking disaster. That was when Loria was the (laughs) Yeah. Man, good times. Yeah. yeah, That's pretty much it in terms of guys on the ballot. We went through everyone. And like we said, we're going to come back with Travis on our Next Hall of Fame episode, right before the inductees are released, and we will go write down our list of who we actually think is going to get in, and we'll give an update on the percentages that have come out, because you know, nowadays, all these writers
1: they release ballots so, early and stuff.
0: Yeah, they post their ballots, and then some people keep track of the percentages from those ballots, and they're able to give a pretty good estimation of what these guys' percentages are. About half of them, like half the percentage. Uh, of the votes, going in. So, yeah, we'll have a pretty good idea by
1: then. All right. So, just to quickly, you want to make a quick list. I, know, I think we have a few guys, uh, more than ten guys, but I was really going to condense it. But people that at least one of us voted yes on for the Hall of Fame. So we have Schilling. What about Bonds. Travis's list? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm cool. going to include Travis as well. Okay. So we have Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, roland Wagner, Helton, Jones, Kent, Ramirez um uh, rod Ortiz who else we give a yes to
0: Travis has Gary Sheffield
1: So Sheffield Ramirez all right yeah. so we have, we, have a, we have a decent list of guys we have like 13 guys that we can we're not, we can talk about next time
0: the yeah next 17. time we'll come with our own personal list and then we'll come up with an AP we'll we'll debate a little bit and we will come together the three of us for an APT ballot which we will post Hell yeah. Should be fun. Should Hell, be fun. Yeah. Yep. So with that, any closing thoughts, Mike?
1: Any closing thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Um still can't believe you forgot who Edgar Martinez was. I never saw him play. What do you want from me? Doesn't matter. He's the, the best designated hitter of all time. Nah, Edgar Martinez is a better hitter.
0: Albert Pujols is the best designated hitter of all time. Robinson Cano. <laughs> all
1: right, right <laughs> here first. Jeremy thinks Albert Pujols and Cano are better DHs than Ortiz and Edgar Martinez.
0: No, 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 no. The best designated designated hitter of all time is Pete Alonso, right? Because Dom Smith's gonna play first base. Pete Alonso.
1: No, the best. The only hitter of all time is B.J. Upton.
0: Oh yeah, of course, absolutely. He was. All he was right.
1: actually. He was actually part of that Braves team you mentioned. That was during that weird era when they signed. I think they signed B.J. Upton. Like two they, signed, line, they had order. both
0: Uptons. They traded for one. They signed the other one, right? Yeah. What a team! And then they had the whole incident with against the Cardinals, where they're throwing stuff on the field,
1: the beer cans, the <laughs> race fans. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah throwback throwback what a disaster that was
0: yep so with that thanks for listening to this episode of the america's pastime podcast hope you enjoyed we'll be back with more content during this lockout any news that we hear and all of our other stuff that we put out there so hope that you guys tune in and have a good one